you up and um, Mike and I have been friends for 17 years now, 18 years I think it is, 2001 we met and it's a real, real delight to have Mike here. He's looking slim and trim and ready to go. He's been doing a bit of training this year and anyways, uh, Mike, um, I'm not going to steal his thunder so tell us, you want that one? Um, Mike, tell us a bit about your kind of you're going to say something else, are you? I can see in your eye. There, there you go. Um, tell us a bit about your childhood, growing up, and, and, and where you come from in life. Yeah, um, my childhood and growing up. This might sound odd, but we're here to tell the truth, yeah? Uh, and my dad was a London gangster, fact, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's what he'd done. We was involved with all the craze and all the great train robbery and all that stuff. And we lived in south-east London, uh, and then my dad, who'd been married four times, my dad, you know, bless him, um, but seven children. But we was the part of the family that was probably the, the underpinning of his life. And he moved us down here, funny enough. I know this place really well. I, I went to school in New Malden. But the, 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 but the genetic gene of my dad dwelt in me. Uh, and, and I was I got become a very naughty boy at a very early age, and I was committing crimes. And I'm talking about New Malden and Kingston. I don't want to tell you my age. It's 54 years ago. It's a long time. And we moved opposite a vicar. We arrived down here. We was like the Clampets. Do you remember the Clampets? We looked hard. My mum had a bouffant hair, false eyelashes, and we was a criminal family. And we moved down here and. I went to school down here. I got arrested here. I used to sell drugs across two doors away, two roads away here. Um, and, and so I spent a lot of time growing up here. And my dad really didn't want me to go that way. He brought me here, but it didn't work. And then what happened is you progressed in this life, this criminal career, as you want. Yeah. What, what, what prison sentences and stuff, what happened? Well, like when I was at the age of 13, I was at a good school. Uh, and, you know, it's quite okay and all that, and it, we wore caps. And, but, you know, I, I just didn't get school. My sister did. My sister was a headmistress of one of the schools around here. My sister got it. My brother, God rest his soul, he died very young. I couldn't get it. And I just wanted to be naughty. Uh, and, and it's really funny. I become very dysfunctional at about the age of 12, yeah? Uh, the concentration when in school uh, and, and, and the fear that I had in here grew and grew and grew and I think you know you grow to you, you you sort of grow to what you're feeling if you're hungry you eat when you're full of fear your life's a bit odd and so you, you're acting out all the time and so crime drugs drink sort of replaced the way I was feeling and and I grew into it and I first got arrested to my dad's dismay I'd done three prison sentences he didn't like that my old man but I did and, uh, you know, my life of crime took off and the hole got bigger uh, and, and I got crazier uh, and I just wound up finishing, finishing my criminal career in 1993 in Exeter. In, do you want to bang on? I was going to tell him about the crime. Do you want to say yeah, something? Yeah, no, 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 you say, go, go. Tell him about He's great, Jerry, isn't he? He's great. There's some good old friends in here today, actually. And they've seen the change in me down to Jesus, down to nothing else. It's not, it's, it, it, this is real, this stuff. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm arrested by 60 officers. This is true. 12 of them are armed. 
I've got night sights, red night sights on me, and they're calling out my name. You know, I thought it was a joke. I'm arrested for the largest importation of cannabis into this country with the fine I've got 18 years. And, and that's not, this, this is not a criminal story. This is a, this is a redemption story. I was a drug addict. I was, I, I wasn't nice to women. I, I, I had huge amounts of money, illegal money. Uh, and, and so I was out there like a, like a beach ball flying about, done what I thought I wanted to do, but there was a consequence. Uh, and, 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 the, and the pain that I was in was unbelievable. I had to wake up and smoke cannabis. You know, and I, I treated my problem by adding to the problem by using colossal amounts of drugs and drink and people and places like that. And then when I was nicked, I was arrested with a gun pointed at my head. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that even that didn't bother me. It was bizarre. And I wind up in prison uh, and, and I get this sentence. And when I was in the nick, um, a girlfriend of mine, I won't go on because Lewis has to have a chat to us as well. And, uh, but I love talking about the Lord. And so I wind up in Exeter. Any more questions? We all right? I wish you would crack on. And, uh, so I wind up in Exeter prison. And my wife then, you know, they say don't get divorced. I've been divorced. They say to do, don't do lots of things because it harms us. But do you know what? Throughout it, the grace of God in my life has been incredible. Don't ever give up. Don't ever. And the more problems that you may have, or probably you don't have, the more problems that I have, his grace increases. It's incredible what this guy does, this Jesus. It's incredible. So I'm in the nick. I'm arrested. I'm in the nick. My wife went to HTB, and HTB love a celebrity, not being disrespectful to them. They do love a bit of a celebrity. And I knew one who used to go there. And, and so I think God used it to open the door, access to Gumball. And, and so, so we phoned him from the nick, from the prison. This is true. With I see, a, I see an article in the newspaper about HTB revival from Toronto. All that stuff. You probably know more than I do. But it, it sort of blew over my way. I wasn't expecting this. I speak to Nicky, beautiful man, Nicky Gumbel, lovely man, and he sends friends of ours down to exit a prison. And I kid you not, it's true. I kid you not. That these very lovely people, you know, how, how, and there's nothing wrong with speaking like that at all. I'm not being rude, but we were criminals, you know. And dear Emmy, she turned up with her lady-like look-alike clobber on, and oh, hello, and we're here, and we're all staring. And that song that Jamie sung, deep down in our hearts, was the introduction. I just told dear Tom what happened. I can't repeat it over the mic, but it was sort of a comical situation. And in that, God was there. You know, you don't care if you've got dirty underwear or, or, or you haven't or you've got lots of money or you live on the streets or, 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 or whatever, you eat too much or you take too many drugs. He don't care what he does, but he cares that he can change it. That's what this is about. It's not about Easter, Christmas. It's about what he can do. And, and they came down, and Amy Wilson came down, and this very, very posh man said, come Holy Spirit, and he turned up. <laughs> I kid you not, the Spirit of God turned up. We wasn't read, well read, we, we didn't know the Bible. And he turned up and it smashed everywhere. 30 inmates all felt the love of God. My dad went on his backside. My dad was a tough boy. I got 12 and a half years, 18 years with my dad. He was a tough boy. You can't knock people over in prison, the bell goes off. 
The Holy Spirit knocked him. The prison officer said nothing. People will be in touch. People were running away. Alpha, fantastic course. If you haven't done it, do it. There's an order. No, no, no. <laughs> do it. It's great. It makes you familiar with lovely people and, uh, and you meet Jesus. And the key is the Spirit of God. That, you know, I know it's a, uh, the Holy Spirit is incredible. Thank God. Mental illness I've been healed of. All sorts of drugs. Alpha was born in prisons. And that's it. It's, it, it they say it's one of the biggest, and not down to me. It's nothing to do with me. But, but the point I'm trying to make, I was a big, big drug smuggler. God's bigger. You know, Jesus came for me. You know, there's hope for us all. When he was on the cross, two criminals next door to him. And so I feel privileged. Uh, and, and, you know, and that was it. And, and, and I'm, it's been tough for me. I've been like Bambi on an ice. Jerry needs to talk. I just want to say, so you're, you're on the floor in Exeter Prison. You've been touched by the Holy Spirit. Mm. And, and what happened after that time? You and your dad really touched. What, what was the fruit of that, being touched by the Holy Spirit? Well, you in know, next the, few years? the fruit, I mean, the fruit's been incredible. And I'm not talking about for me. I'm just talking about what it's done for others. Every prison we went to, you know, there was prophecies. I didn't even know how to work, spell the word prophecy, let alone understand it. And, and, and so... Every nick, every prison we went to, Emmy would turn up, and, and they grew in numbers. And, and you're talking about big bank robbers, killers, and this is not to down, this is not to judge anybody. And, and they, and they, and they t- got touched by the living God. And, and it went everywhere in the prison system, and it, 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 went, it went around the world. And so the, the tongues of fire was the prophecy. Uh, and and Jesus' love for the broken was incredible and he was true to his word and we see it grow and we see it manifest and the fruit was this last year bless Gumble, I don't know how he trusts me but he asked me to talk with him or the year before uh, out at the Halbert Hall yeah, and he gave me my own mic God, I thought you're in trouble <laughs> but, but what the blessing was I see a man from Uganda who was on death row about to be killed I think he was on death row for 25 years. I'm not sure. And he see the Alpha, prisons for Alpha, out of the window of his cell. He gave his life for Jesus. He got released from prison. And now he works for the Ugandan government. And I thought, my God, that's the fruit. You know, that's the fruit of nothing to do with me. You know, I just kept going. And I've been out of prison in 20 odd years, 20 years, I think. Um, hasn't been easy for me. But I haven't let go. At times I felt like I was hanging on to the back of an aeroplane, being thrown across the sky, thinking, what is all this about? I didn't get it. And then God, in his grace and in his mercy, he's healed me. Amen. He's healed this lunatic. And and, and so that's, his mercy and his grace are incredible. Incredible. So is Alpha. And just, you've been coming into Feltham and Bronzeville prisons with teams from here recently. Absolutely. And, and um, how, how are you finding that going back in, particularly in the women's prison? I know that's been yeah. challenging at times. Say a Struggle bit about that. Women in prison. Caroline, Helen, all these guys do a great job in, in Tom and Lewis, they do a great job. You know, I, I feel that I, I, it's changed so much in me, God. You know, God's, God's in the job of, he's not a counterfeit, this Jesus. 
everything that we want, and I'll go back to the prisons, everything that we desire is when we go for the will of ourselves, we sort of get it wrong. But if we follow the love of Christ and the desires of what are in our heart, we get what we want anyway, or what we need. Yeah, This Jesus is, is your doctor, he's your lawyer, he's your husband, he's your wife, it, it'd be anything you want him to be. And so when I go into prisons and I see how broken, especially them girls are, Caroline, in that place, you know, where, where the, the, the women in this prison, it, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And, and, and you see the love of Jesus. The men's prisons, listen, boys are naughty, but they're still broken. And, and they're drug addicts and all things like that. So, so, so for me to go back in, it, it, I suppose it's not what we say, it's what we do. So if I'm not doing crime or being dishonest or, do, or whatever I'm doing, that, that, then that's a testimony to the living God in itself. And, and Jesus is amazing. And being in these prisons, I really like going back in and, and sharing what Jesus has done in my life. Do you want to, you, you like convince the people in the prisons, but how do you convince the, the police officers following us? Do you want to share that story? Yeah. Um, when I came out of Nick at the end of the 90s, I was, my dad was sort of getting older, but I was a target for him. And, you know, I was arrested for 30 million pounds of a cannabis. So I was a serious contender. Yeah. Um, my brother, well, a relation of mine was, was arrested for a huge amount of cocaine. And they thought I was involved. And I wasn't. And I really wasn't. But they thought I was. So they started to follow me. And I knew they was following me. They put bugs in my house, in my car. Blah, 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 blah. Things went on. They, 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 you know... <laughs> They weren't doing their job properly because I could see them. But, but that's okay. And But you know what? Maybe God allowed me to see it. But I went to do a talk with Sandy Miller at Guildford once. Great guy, Sandy Miller. Been very patient with me. And um, they asked me to do a men's talk in Cobham with all bank managers. You know, And there's nothing wrong with being a bank manager. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> But, you know, like that, non-believer, whatever they was. And I go along, and it, the breakfast was first class. <laughs> so I go along, and I go down there, and I'm having a chat, and there was a question from one guy about, do I miss being a criminal? Not really, but it's quite exciting, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm having my breakfast, and this guy standing in front of me, and without him speaking to me, we have to know the enemy, yeah? We have an enemy, right? But... In the world, the enemy today is whoever the enemy is against Jesus. But in the world, my enemy was authority. So this guy's looking at me. I knew he was a copper. I could just knew. He knew me and I knew him, but we didn't know each other. And then he started to talk to me about, I've been, I nicked your dad in 1988. And I said, oh, good luck to you, mate. You know, I was enjoying my breakfast. I, d- I didn't want to speak to him. And that at that time, I still had sort of an issue with policemen. I haven't today. God's healed me from that. And so I started to talk to him, and then, and then he reveals to me that he'd been following me for a year. He didn't like the fact that I knew. I said, I know. He didn't like that. But it was a little one-up for me. But this is the bit. Only God could do this. This is not preached from the pulpit. This is the reality of God. Because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's not just here. He's everywhere. Yeah. And he was in where this guy was following me. 
I met a real London gangster, a criminal, who'd also become a follower of Christ. And we went into this room. And he said, I followed you into that room. And he had a memo to arrest me. This is true. Yeah. They weren't going to find out anything because I'd done nothing wrong. So they was, it was 70-30 against me that I was going to be arrested. He looked through the window and me and this guy, he said, I looked through this window and he said, I saw you and this guy praying. I went, what, really? He said, yeah, I saw you praying. He said, I ripped the memo up I had on you of arresting you. And I went out and said to him, you know, the fellow police officers, Emmett's not at it no more. It obviously went a bit deeper than that. But he said, I saw you pray. And I said, really? He said, I've been, been following you for a year. He said, and then I saw that. And I've just come here today to say, well done. And he shook my hand. I sort of liked him then. But, <laughs> but that's incredible. I mean, that's really, really, inc- you know, God opened the Red Sea for Moses. You know, he can do anything you want him to do. Amen. He's asked me to sing for you. No, 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 I don't sing. <laughs> I'm really sorry, but I have to leave. Uh, Lewis, I hope I haven't nicked all your time. Great guy, Lewis. I want to say thank you for Tom and these guys and all you guys. And, and you know what? If I can just say one thing to anybody here who's going through a struggle, the bigger the struggle, the bigger God. The darker it is, the lighter he becomes. Jesus is not a figment of our imagination. He's not a Christmas card. He's not a lamb. He is the lamb, right? But this guy got bashed to pieces, smashed up. Yeah, he was a tough cookie, Jesus. And he said, Father, forgive him. Yeah. You know, it's an incredible walk. And it's not about being in church. Church is great. Church is great, don't get me wrong. But it's about having a relationship. And when you look above, sorry, I'm going to go now. When we look above and we see the creation of heaven and earth, stars, sun, whatever we see up there, we take for granted because we see it every day. But the God that we serve said, he created this. He said, let there be light. And there was light. You know, he don't build houses and cars or, or smart shoes. He creates life, this God. Uh, you know, we got to get Jesus out the box and release him for the salvation of the lost. Amen. Um, Lewis is going to come and come and come and speak to us now. I know the, the youth are going to going to head out to their groups for a couple of minutes, anyways. Um, um, but Lewis can give us a little kind of ten-minute thought flowing in from that and what we're looking at at Genesis. Did this in the last service. So as Mike's kissing everyone goodbye, can we just can we just pray for him as he goes? Father, we just thank you for Mike. We thank you for your hand on him, and we pray just increase your favour on him. And we thank you, Lord, for everything he's poured out in our teams in this place. And we pray, Lord, um, just continue to use his ministry to uh, the broken and the prisons. Bless him. Amen. Um, great.
we have 10 minutes. So what I want you to do is, um, if you have a, a Bible on your app or on your phone, uh, or there are Bibles on the side, I want you to, to grab a Bible and I want you to turn to um, the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, chapter 15. And really, just in this um, short moment together, uh, I just want to follow on with um, where Mike was sharing um, and just say to each one of us this morning that God will never give up on you. God will never give up on you. I just, um, before we dig into the word, just, just put your hands up if you've um, taken on a New Year resolution slash ambition or, or hope. Just put your hands up. A, a few of you. Um, just put your hand up if you've um, already given up your New Year resolution, hope or ambition. Anyone? Uh, oh, it actually seems to be doing really well. Thank you for your honesty. That was brilliant. Thank you. Uh, for, for me this year, um, my, my kind of main New Year ambition uh, is to get back into Bible in a year. Uh, and I'm doing it with the Bible project on my version Bible app. So if you're looking for a way of doing uh, the Bible in a year, check out the, the Bible app. Um, it's amazing. Um, and it's been, it's been awesome to start this new year yet again digging into the promises of God in the book of Genesis. Uh, the story of God's creation and God's promises into us, his creatures, his being, his people. Um, and for me, as we think about um, giving up, I, I know whenever I've done the Bible in a year, it always gets to around the sort of start of February time, and I've hit Genesis done, Exodus done, and then I start to move into like Numbers and Leviticus, and it just starts to get a little bit boring. And in my human nature, in my own strength, I give up. Uh, I just can't dig in enough. But today, we're promising that God will never give up on you. Uh, and I'd just love to um, share this slightly uh, wacky and odd vision from Genesis 15 uh, to give us a, a small word that God will never give up on us. So this is uh, Genesis 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eldazar or Damascus? Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. The man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood. Pause there. Abraham is very old. His wife, Sarah, is very old. They are past the stage of being able to have their own children. And God says, I promise you that I'm going to bring life when there should be death. He is the God of the impossible. He is the God of big dreams. As Mike was saying, in our big struggles, God is bigger. God gives big promises. He then also says to Abraham, come outside, look up the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. God is promising Abraham that he will be a great, mighty nation. And then out of him will come truth. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited him to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur and Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? Abraham is asking the big question, God, is this true? God, are you really who you say you are? God, am I really who you say I am? Are your promises true? The question for us this morning as we finish this service and knowing that God never gives up on us, the question is, how can we trust 
God's promises? How do we know? And this is exactly the question Abraham is asking. Sovereign Lord, how can I know? Now for us, normally, when we ask this question, how can we know? We expect God to respond in our hearts, Lewis, these promises are true because I love you. And we long to hear that, that word in our ear, to have those feelings. Lewis, I've given up my son for you. And we want to hear these words. But Abraham doesn't experience this. Just check out. So this is Genesis 15 verse 10. So the Lord said to Abraham, bring me a heifer, which is a large cow. Bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram. Right. This passage is getting a little bit strange. How do I know your promises are true? And God says, bring me a large cow. Okay. So Abraham brought all of these to God, cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. This is getting weird. How do we know the promises of God? Cut some animals in half, says God. And then it says, verse 12, as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep. And if we skip to verse 17, it gets even stranger. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant promise with Abraham. What on earth is happening? For those that are doing their Bible in a year... These are the sort of stories, and this was my experience so far about six days ago. You read this and you think, I do not have enough time and energy to work. What the heck is going on with this story? Close up, move on. But it's only when we dig into the promises of God that we really see who he is. When we dig into this passage, there is this beautiful illustration of who God is and that he will never give up on you that I'm just going to very briefly explain. So for us, as we read this, God says, I will give you this promise. And Abraham says, how on earth can I trust this? And we expect the words from God of, I love you, trust me, follow me. But God says, take a large cow and cut it in half. For us, it sounds mental. But for Abraham, he would have known immediately what God was about to do. Because in that time in Israel... To make a covenant, to make a contractual agreement between two parties to have a relationship. It's why we call marriage a covenant. It's that declaration out loud that I am going to put everything on the line to follow this agreement of staying with you forever. And God creates this contractual scene. And so Abraham slices this cow in half because he knows this is what they would do to make a contract. And so Abraham then takes this split cow and puts half of it on one side. So imagine you guys on the side, you are the smelly half an animal cow ripped in two. So give us a wave, you're half the cow. And then on the other side... Give us a wave. This is the other half of the cow that's smelly. And you can imagine the scene quite graphic. The blood of the cow is sort of drifting into this mess in the middle of this ditch. And what would happen in those times for for a contract is, let's say, for example, a conquering king has taken over a group of people. They've won a battle and they've taken over the people. The conquering king in this scene would stand on one side and the conquered people would stand on the other side. And what would happen is the conquering, would say, the conquering king would say, I'm going to make a covenant of how I will treat you. And to keep this contract, the conquering king would walk through the mess and the blood and the animal smells. And he would walk through and he'd say, if I do not keep my side of the agreement, may I be like the animals that have been torn into pieces. 
He's saying that if I break this law, this covenant, it's over. Kill me. And then what would happen is the conquered people would say, we will promise to follow your ways, to follow your laws, and to be your people. And the conquered people would then walk the other way through the blood and through the mess. What on earth is going on in this beautiful illustration is Abraham is put into this deep sleep. He's set up this contractual agreement and then God does something amazing because he will never give up on us. We see in the passage it talks about, and again we would miss this so easy if we don't go digging, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch of fire. And so in the Bible smoke and fire are representations of God's presence. So uh, in the Old Testament, we see the smoke and the cloud of God fall on the tabernacle in the Old Testament of Moses. We see uh, the, the smoke and glory of God fall into the temple. We see Jesus when he climbs the mountain of God and the cloud, the presence of God falls. It shows this presence. And fire is exactly the same. The tabernacle, the temple, the fire of God comes to show his presence with us. And we think about Pentecost, where the fire of the Holy Spirit comes on his people to say, I am present. And so we have a smoking pot and a torch of fire. And the smoking pot in Abraham's vivid dream moves through this contractual scene. The smoking pot, God's presence, walks through. And he's saying, Abraham, and he's saying to us, I am going to be your king. I am going to be your God. And I promise to be with you. God has made that side of the contract. But what's interesting is Abraham isn't the one that then crosses over. It then says the torching, the blazing torch of fire then also passes through and God's presence walks through again. Because again, if we remember the two animals on either side, if we cannot keep our end of the bargain, may we be torn into the pieces like these animals. For us this morning, we can never, ever, ever reach the limits in which God asks us to be his people. In the book of Genesis, as we continue this series, we see Jacob, the deceiver. God uses Jacob But he can never match up to what God has called him to do. Yet God chooses him and uses him. We're going to look at Joseph in prison. Again, he can never match up to what God has called him to be. He can never reach that point. And God says, I will never give up on you. Because as we all know, and as we celebrate, and as Mike has been gloriously talking about this morning, we know that we cannot ever match what God has asked us to do to be his people. And so he walks through this law for us. And because we can't match it, we should be like the animals torn in two and sacrificed. God himself says, I will never give up on you because Jesus will take the blow. Jesus in himself will be torn apart. God is torn apart because we can never match up to what God has called us to be. So for us today as we finish, if you're struggling, as Mike was saying, for some of us we may come to church and we're putting on a brave face, but we know deep down that we are broken. For some of us we know that we are lonely. And for some of us, maybe a bit like Mike, we just know that we're naughty. God is saying... It's not about you, 
it's about me. One of my highlights of Christmas was um, uh, getting to cuddle my two-day-old god goddaughter. And uh, it was that uh, she's beautiful. Her name's Darcy. And uh, our best friends had a really good birth. And I'm two days on, uh, me and Louise, my wife, went and visited. And we, um, I just remember holding Darcy in my arms. And I, like, obviously, I had absolutely nothing to do with the birth, which is, that's good. Um, but Darcy, <laughs> but I just looked at Darcy. And I just wanted to just scream at her, you are so loved. I hope that you grow up to make good choices and to know that you are so loved. And let's face it, two-day-old Darcy, all she ever did was poo, cry, and sleep, and eat. She did nothing to deserve this love, but she is just so loved because she's loved because she's loved. And that is exactly how God sees each one of us. You don't have to strive to do anything to achieve his love. He freely gives it because he sees you he knows you and he loves you and so uh, i'm going to invite jerry up why don't we and um, why don't we stand together just to respond to that free gift of love that is given to us so ask the holy spirit to come and uh, he's here already he's been speaking to us already let's just have a moment to be still see what he wants to say individually to us personally right now. He's here in the room. And as uh, Mike was saying that, you know, funny old posh man turns up in Exeter prison and says, come Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit actually turns up. And you know what? He's amazing. He can turn up anytime, anywhere. So Lord, we're asking you again here this morning, turn up. Turn up in our situations, turn up in our pain, turn up in our confusion, turn up in power. Talking about restoring brokenness a lot this morning, I think he wants to restore people here this morning. I also think he wants to make some people here this morning as bold as a lion. It's the words in my heart. Bold as a lion. This grace you have over your life, we each have, should make us bold as a lion. So it doesn't depend on us anymore. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I think there's someone hot with anger is the word in my my mind hot with anger here this morning and it's like he's just the Lord's taking you into a kind of cold shower just cool you down wash away some of that anger I think for one person that anger is actually at him and for someone else that anger is at, is at other people but he wants to, to wash that anger away this morning come Holy Spirit and do that Remember, there's no magic formula in these moments. Something special you have to do to make the Holy Spirit touch you. He's sovereign. The only thing he asks us to do in Scripture is to ask. And, and, and I'm sure you've done that. We're just asking. Holy Spirit, touch me. As simple as that. You don't have to do anything else. Come, Holy Spirit.
I'd love to invite a few categories of people forward um, to, to be prayed for. I think this uh, one around r- restoration and like you just we were singing earlier about being still and, and, and in a sense you've been trying to fix things yourselves and the Lord is just asking this morning to surrender. He wants to restore you and, and you need to just surrender and allow him to do that. Tr- stop trying to fix things yourself but allow him to do it. So we'd love to pray for you. We'd also love to pray um, for boldness, for courage. I feel like he's asking some of you here today to be much more courageous. You know the grace of God, and that grace should give you great courage. And, and we want to pray for courage in your situation. Um, and also, I think, um, for commitment. I, f- I feel there's one or two people here who who've either never really chosen to follow Jesus or kind of been drifted away from that and he wants to renew the commitment and the great thing as Lewis was explaining actually is he does that for us he knows we'll stumble and fall but he holds us but now's a chance to say Lord I want to give it everything I can it may not be enough but I'm going to give it everything I can and so we'd love to pray for that commitment. So commitment, courage, or, or that kind of word of restoration and, and just, just, just being put back together. If any of those words apply to you, do you want to come down the front? And we, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray that God helps you in that. Just make your way down the front. I know it's not, not always easy, but elbow people out the way if you have to. Um, and, um, this is a moment to say, yes, Lord, I'm here. I want to, I want to, I want things to shift and to change. And I think, I think it's thinking about restoration. It's a word of healing as well. And I think it's healing for the mind. So if, if, if you're, you know, Mike fought a lot of battles in his mind and a lot of mental health challenges. And you talked about a bit about that at the nine. If you're fighting a battle in your mind, we want healing for that. So, can I encourage you to come down the front and we can pray for you.